Lord God, as we come to your word today, Lord, we ask you to enlighten us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, to, Lord, speak your word afresh to us. Help us to understand it and what it means for us and our church, Lord. Help us to grow in faith and grow in our love toward you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we see from reading in Acts that the early church in Jerusalem was not perfect. And that should be comforting to us in some ways because in that, they were like us. Yes, amazing things were happening. The Spirit was moving and the church was growing. But like us, they still had very human issues too. They had issues of sin. Ananias and Sapphira lying about their offering, which God quickly judged in the previous chapter in a way that would shake up any church. And it seems that they had issues of favoritism or prejudice too, the hot topic of our day. Let's read from verse 1 of chapter 6 in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Hellenists were not Gentiles here. Gentile Christians do not enter into the picture in Acts until later chapters and, and years. Those who were called Hellenists here were actually Greek-speaking Jews whose widows were apparently being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So it seems that the early church had the original meal on wheels going on, or maybe it should be called meals on hooves back then with, with donkeys doing the transport, uh, but great programs that are good for churches and, and need looking after by diligent people. And there was either a communication problem with the Hebrew-speaking Jews running that program, or the Hebrew-speaking people running it were actually putting their widows ahead of the Greek-speaking ones. Whatever it was, whether favoritism or poor communication, some Christian widows were falling through the cracks. Some were being neglected, and a complaint reached the apostles' ears. Now before this, in the early chapters of Acts, we can see that the twelve apostles were the trusted ones. After all, they were chosen by Jesus. And they had been in charge of everything. Donations had been brought to them, and they had distributed them personally, perhaps, in the beginning, and then they asked others as the church began to grow. But this issue arose, and the apostles were already too busy with their primary responsibility, which was to speak and preach and teach about the scriptures and how they related to Jesus. And those things take time in study and preparation, not to mention prayer. 
And they didn't have the practical tools that preachers and teachers have available today, but they did have the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The thing that was lacking was time. There were only 24 hours in a day. And that was the circumstance that they were in. And that was not a bad thing because the bigger problem was the rapid growth of the church. And God works through circumstances and uses them often to get us to go to him for direction. And God wanted to expand his church even more and expanding the church meant expanding its ordained leadership. So what did the apostles do? I'm sure they prayed first, though scripture does not explicitly say so. And then in verse two, the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples, that is they called the other disciples to a vestry meeting of sorts, as we Anglicans call it. And I doubt if it was all 5,000 plus members as, as most would have been novices, Perhaps it was the original 120, or it may have even been the Greek-speaking members who were aware of this problem. And the apostles said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So right there, we can see that dealing with this issue by themselves was not an option. It would have forced the apostles away from their primary duty and forced them to leave the word of God, which I'm sure was our adversary's plan when he had stirred up this issue. And therefore, we must always be aware of the spiritual realm and that our adversary is always working, trying to disrupt, disrupt God's work. We must not allow that. And that is especially why we must stay close to God, depending on his Holy Spirit in prayer and looking for discernment. The apostles went on. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. So notice the qualifications. They were a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. It wasn't bilingualism, though I'm sure that would have been helpful. That was not the most important thing. It wasn't vital. Good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. They were the important things. And in saying that, the apostles acknowledged the whole vestry here, that the Holy Spirit was with them too, by asking them to seek those seven men, whom the disciples would then, who the apostles would then appoint over this business. So these would be under the apostles' authority, and they were given authority by the apostles appointing them and as we will see, given God's authority by the laying on of hands. Now we might in our day, in our context, ask, why did they have to be men? 
Well, I don't know. They had their reasons. It may have been an authority thing. It may have been a cultural thing. But it may too have been a very practical thing. Distributing the food may have required heavy lifting, perhaps going to the marketplace and buying bulk. But even more so, whatever their reasons, it was the Holy Spirit in operation guiding them. And as we shall see, one of these men, Stephen, would soon be confronting angry crowds and preaching to them. He would become the, the church's first martyr. Another one, Philip, would soon be doing travel evangelism, much the same as the original twelve. Now, if they had simply been waiting on tables, I suppose any person of good reputation could have done it. But God used the laying on of hands by the apostles to appoint these seven men to this seemingly menial task of servanthood so that they would prove faithful and he could go on and use them as evangelists and even martyrs for the gospel. And great will be their reward in heaven, as Jesus said. Remember, Jesus had also said, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. That's from Luke 16.10. And we should remember that whenever we are asked by God or by God's people to do what seems to be menial, it's really not. Jesus also said to his disciples, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet, in the name of a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man receives a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. That's from Matthew 10, 40 to 42. So we see in this that what, might, what we might regard as menial is really not. And in most cases, and most times, a necessary step to something more from God, something more that God is asking of us after we prove faithful. It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, the disciples said. In verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Prayer and the ministry of the word was what the apostles were called to. That was their main calling. That was what was most important and urgent for them to do then. These guys, remember, were formulating the doctrine of the church with the aid of the Holy Spirit, and they were teaching and preaching. 
I'm sure they were recalling and recording the things that Jesus had said to them both before and after his death and resurrection. Things like he said to those on the road to Emmaus when beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Luke 24, 27. Imagine if the apostles had gotten bogged down by waiting on tables. It couldn't have been. They had received the command from Christ that also began with serving one another, remember on the Thursday before his death, and that command and that work continued. But it grew into serving others in a bigger way. It continued on with prayer and the ministry of the word. Prayer is something that many modern day preachers, myself included, neglect all too much. Again, something I felt convicted of lately and something that I have been working on and proving since COVID-19 started. I'd like to put as much time into prayer as I do in study and sermon preparation, but it takes strong conviction and habit forming. And the battle is that it simply does not seem practical. It is in its essence an act of faith. We tend to do our sermon preparation and administration first when in fact prayer should come first. The story is told by a great Christian evangelist that when he went to see A.W. Tozer in his office late one afternoon, he found that Tozer had been on his knees in prayer since morning. And Tozer explained that he had so much to do that he could not help but spend that much time in prayer. Well, God is teaching me this. And I have a long way to go, but please pray for me in this and, and keep me accountable. Ask me sometimes, are you praying well, Pastor Dan? And I might ask you the same. You know, with all the tools that we have today, the danger is writing sermons without relying on the Holy Spirit. And we do not want that. We want to hear from God, not man. And God is gracious, of course, and can use his, his word however he sees fit. And as the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 1.18, in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. But oh, what a privilege to hear from the Lord. And what a privilege to have God work with you and breathe in his spirit at our bidding. The Lord is teaching me that prayer is so important, both in preparation and in delivery. And the apostles knew that, and apparently the others did too. Verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. They understood the problem this presented to their leaders, and they wanted their leaders to have more time for prayer and ministry of the word. And so they chose the seven men who are listed, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, 
Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Pharmanes, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So it seems like the apostles were directed in prayer to also lay hands on the seven, and somehow this brought a special mantle or anointing upon these seven deacons. Well, I went to the ordination of Jonathan Kamiri and Daniel Abitan a week ago, Saturday, and I was very glad that even during COVID-19, the laying on of hands continued with washing beforehand, of course. There's spe something special in that, something very spiritual and powerful as these men are setting their, their lives apart, consecrating themselves for God. And this authority is, is given to them. It's special by God. Verse 7, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Did you notice the, that then, the word then there, when this internal problem was taken care of and these, the, the first deacons, were appointed and prayed for with the laying of, on of hands, then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. That was the same result as with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the church multiplied, and the same uh, result as when Peter preached, and uh, when he preached after healing, after the healing of the lame man, the church multiplied because they were operating in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was doing the work, and it's, it's quite incredible because it notes that a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith as well. It doesn't say how, but it makes you wonder if one of these seven was actually called specifically to minister to Israel's priests, to, to preach the gospel to them and what influence that would have had. So the church, with the guiding help of the Holy Spirit, not only resolved the problem that they faced, but also improved its capacity to minister more widely doing this. Appointing deacons not only freed up the apostles for their specific ministry, but it also brought assistance to the apostles in their specific ministry. And the church grew. Verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. This is the first time that we see signs and wonders happening in the early church uh, through someone other than the twelve apostles. But we must also remember that Stephen was already full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and hands were laid upon him now for ministry. In this chapter and in the next, we will notice Stephen 
not waiting on Greek-speaking widows, though I'm sure that he did do that, but confronting the Greek-speaking Jews with the gospel. The church may have thought that they were simply appointing Greek-speaking men to, to serve their Greek-speaking widows, but the Holy Spirit had more than that in mind for them. And Stephen was the next person recorded in Acts to preach a Spirit-filled sermon. But the results were, were somewhat different than Peter's sermon at first, but not in the last, and as we shall see. Yes, Stephen was stoned to death, and there was no immediate revival like there had been with Peter, but a guy named Saul, soon to be called Paul, was witness to the whole thing, and God was beginning to work in his heart through those words that Stephen preached that day. So what can we learn from all this as a church? We can learn that when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our church and we pray together seeking God's will, we will sometimes be very surprised by the result. It will be greater than we can imagine because God will come in and God will do things that we couldn't even imagine. We must not try to keep the Holy Spirit in some kind of box. No, the Holy Spirit should be the one that's leading us. And that's why prayer and listening prayer is so important. That's why praying for and exercising the gifts and ministries of the Spirit is so vital. That is why we must all do our part in the church. Christian business is serious business. We'll conclude uh, reading the rest of this chapter. Verse 9, Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Syrians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Of course, the spirit in him was greater than the spirit of the world. Verse 11, Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him to, to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. Does that sound familiar? These evil men did with Stephen the same thing that they did to his Lord Jesus. And isn't that what Jesus had said? If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. John 15, 18. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. John 15, 20. And all who sat 
in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face, Stephen's face, as the face of an angel. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so humbled reading this account. Lord, so touched by what your spirit can do, Lord, for mere men, that we can, Lord, speak and work in your name, in your power, in your authority, and do things that would be impossible to do. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you love Stephen so much to, to receive him to yourself, to die for him, to die for us. And Lord, we, as, we, as we look at this, we, we want this. We desire your spirit to come upon us in such a way that we could be men like this and women like this. And we ask once again, as we yield to you, that you will fill your church with your spirit, that we might do your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.